vision yeah. that we have is to provide high quality foods to our local community and other people as well by creating a regenerative system with the food forest, meaning having fruit trees and layering it thick, deep mulch layers of compost and straw and um, cow manure and uh, wood chips. And over time, as it builds up, it's thick, good soil. And then the tree grows. And eventually, if you have a big enough area of all the trees and plants combined together, along with animals, the trees will be able to fertilize themselves over time, along with animals pooping and peeing around mm -hmm. them. Because in the forest, that's the most self-reliant system that you can see easiest because all the leaves just fall to the ground and compost themselves every year, feeding the, themselves. And that's another uh, like concept, just like feeding itself. It's just like a completed cycle. Hey you guys, welcome back to Root Awakening Health Podcast. I just had such an awesome episode with Logan Cohen. Logan is an 18-year-old permaculture food forest rancher and advocate for self-sustaining regenerative cycles. Oh, he lives in upstate South Carolina with his partner Jolie. Okay, you guys, so Logan has started a farm. He's starting a permaculture fruit, fo like forest. He calls it a permaculture silvopasture food forest. Like they're growing this up in uh, South Carolina. And it's incredible. Like they're growing things from the ground up. They have land, there's some woods on it, but they're making it like a food forest. And I'm just so in awe, you guys. Like, I'm so in awe that there are generations, younger generations of people that are into this type of farming, that are going for it, that are so happy with it. And I'm just overjoyed. I got the pleasure of talking to Logan and also his partner Jolie joined us for part of the episode. They are going to be having a baby soon. So we just talk about so many topics I think you can imagine. We talk about like what permaculture is. We talk about what a food forest is. We talk about all of these terminologies, farming terminologies, but like they're also growing animals on their property. So we talk about pigs and if pigs can really live without grains and thrive that way. We talk about what it has been like for them to grow a farm. We talk about how they met as a couple. Um, since Jolie's pregnant, she told us about her thoughts on birth and her decisions around if she's going to have the birth at home or if she's going to have a doula and all of that. We, and we talk about spirituality. They're very spiritual people, but like I was not spiritual at all when I was 18. So I'm just so, maybe I was a teeny bit, I liked yoga, but that's about as far as I went when I was 18. So I am just so 
overjoyed to have spoken with them and we just connected so well and they're awesome people they also eat a lot of raw animal products so we talk about that as well they were vegan before um logan was doing a juice cleanse um for like several months at a certain point in time and he started eating meat again and so we hear that journey and it's just like an all-in-all great episode you guys. Logan tells us about his future plans for the farm and what he's going to do and uh, how he does it and they've just researched everything so well you guys. Such a great episode. I'm so excited to share it with you. So I just want to go through real quick tonight. It's nighttime right now. Um a couple of my offerings that are on my heart to share with you. So the Type B Business School is an all-encompassing group coaching program where you can learn to build your dream job. You can learn to build a business that runs online, whether you're selling your services or whether you're selling an actual physical product. I set you up with basically everything you need besides like lawyer stuff and besides like accountant stuff. But I even show you a way to track your expenses and how you're spending and your income. And I share spreadsheets, temp spreadsheet templates with you. And uh, we work a lot on mindset in the type B business school. And um, I give you everything you need to start your business basically. And it's what I needed to start my business. It's what I figured out as, you know, a couple years now as an entrepreneur. And um, this course just has so many facets of self-development for you to explore. And there are EFT tapping videos and there's just so much for you. And it's, it's really on my heart to share lately because it is clear to me that it is not normal for people to love their jobs. Like maybe people like their jobs, but if they could have their life anyway, like if they could be successful doing anything, they probably wouldn't choose the job that they currently have. And I want to change that. I really believe that that's part of my purpose here on earth to show people how to change that and how to build a business for yourself that you love that isn't super stressful all the time and that is consistent and exciting and fun and your life purpose and I help you find your life purpose if you don't even know your life purpose I help you find that in the type b business school and it comes with a community group where I give coaching and where you can connect with other people in my group coaching courses so I want to share that with you for sure and then I also offer something that is a lower cost option it's called the confidence course and it's really a program of changing your mindset, changing the way your brain works so that you can have more empowering thought patterns and you can just believe in yourself more and you can gain self-worth. It's a literally a step-by-step -step process with EFT tapping videos and a lot of journaling prompts about just how to gain like authentic confidence in what you're doing. So if you want a lower cost option, that is a great one as well. So that's all I got for you guys. Enjoy this episode. I love you. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Root Awakening, a health podcast. I'm excited. Hi, everyone. We are on YouTube this time, too. I'll be uploading this to YouTube. Usually, we don't upload to YouTube, but I'm doing it this time. And I'm excited. Today's going to be a really fun episode. Logan Cohen is with me on this episode. Logan is a permaculture food forest rancher and advocate for self-sustaining regenerative 
cycles. I'm so excited to talk to you, Logan, about what all of that means. I kind of have an idea, but I'm not that educated in, in farming, even though I was in the farming industry actually for a while. I still don't know what a lot of these words mean. So I'm really excited to talk to you about this. You guys, Logan is 18 and he has a farm. Like he has pigs. He is like doing his thing, creating this beautiful food forest. I just think that's so impressive. And I found Logan through just the raw meat community. Um, well, shout out, it's pretty raw, baby, shared some of his stuff. And I found him and I was like, oh my God, this guy's great. And his partner, Joe Lee, is, they're just beautiful together. And I think it's amazing that he's getting into this line of work because we need farmers so much. And that takes a lot. And I'm excited to talk to you, Logan, about how it's been building all of that. So welcome to Root Awakening, a health podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I would definitely would like to share anything I can about what I'm doing and how it's going with all that. Yeah, for sure. And hey, where are you located again? Um, I'm in Ware Shoals, South Carolina. So oh. it's in the upstate of South Carolina. Okay, cool. Cool. Were you, were you born around there? No, I'm actually um originally from Maryland, but I moved down here in uh, the middle of 2021 and started moved down here to be with Jolie and we started farming then and plant started planting fruit trees at the time I was um raw vegan I was actually in the middle of a 90 day juice fast um wow where you only make all of your own juice and basically only drink that to clean the gut but I definitely have a lot of different perspectives nowadays although it has served me my journey for sure so why did you decide to go vegan in the first place and then we'll get to the whole raw meat stuff all right so um originally I had a friend and we just I had a friend in high school and he just was trying to talk to me about like, like energy and stuff. And I was kind of making sense of it. Like he was like, you know, when you eat meat, there's energy in the meat. Like if the animal was sad when it died, then you're going to get that energy. And I was like, huh, that makes sense to me. So after like a couple months, I was kept thinking about it. And then one day I ate some I ate a cheesesteak at this uh, small restaurant. And after I ate it, I just felt like I never wanted to eat meat again. So mm -hmm. then I basically became vegan overnight and changed how, how I ate. And I just looked into like whole food, plant-based diet and like Dr. Sabi and everything. I don't know if you know about that, but it's basically just like... Uh, a concept of only eating alkalizing foods so that you can alkalize your body and heal and it's like no you don't want to consume any mucus which nowadays I can totally see it's like so backwards but mm. yeah okay and then how did you meet Jolie um I actually met Jolie online through a group chat on Instagram and and I talked to her for a while, and then she wanted to visit me because at the time I was uh, 
17 and I didn't have a car or anything, but she had a car. So she came to Maryland to visit me. Wow. Amazing. And then you guys hit it off and you decided to move down there with her. Yeah, I actually, uh, <laughs> so this is a funny story. So, uh, in the middle of the night, well, no, hold on. Let me finish. Let me start it <laughs> better. Um, well, I was in the middle of my juice fast and my grandma was helping me. Well, she was like buying my food at the time because I never had had a job before. And she will, cause I mean, family provides for you until you're at an age where you can provide for yourself. So mm -hmm. she was, she was just upset that I was only drinking juice and everything. And she was just didn't want me to. And she thought that I was wrong for what I wanted to do. And, and that made me upset. So one day I, after we had an argument, I talked to Jolie and I said, I think I need to come to South Carolina. And my family didn't really did not want me to come down there. Like they said, uh, like before Jolie ever came, I asked my grandma, I said, can she come to visit? And she said, I feel like you're just going to want to move down there. So because wow. you're going to miss her so much. And I was like, I don't know. So <laughs> then, then basically she, uh, she came in the middle of the night, drove, drove 12 hours from South Carolina to Maryland, where I'm from. And waited for me and I the whole day previously I packed up all my stuff in my room I don't really understand why but I packed up all of my stuff like every single thing and I really couldn't tell you why I did all that it was a lot much like the entire car was full I packed up all of my tapestries on the wall all of my some really not important stuff at all but I mm. we packed it up and they have a camera outside of the door, the basement door. So I told her to pull around. There's a driveway behind the yard. So I told her to pull back there and park it. It was like 2 a.m. And I wheelbarrowed all of my stuff through the backyard, which is like an <laughs> acre. Oh, my God. So we wheelbarrowed all of it. And in the meantime, like, I don't know. I will mention this. We actually met from a urine therapy group chat, which I don't actually practice that much anymore. So, Okay, so can... urine therapy, yes, let's talk about this because I think some of our listeners will not know what this is. Is this drinking your own urine? Yeah, it's drinking your own urine and um, using it topically, using it as like a medicinal form of nourishment, which at the time makes a lot of sense because as a vegan or vegetarian, you're basically able to recycle the proteins and stuff but the main reason was like um kind of like the union with yourself and the concept that your well it's not a concept that your kidneys filter out your blood and basically your blood is cleaner no sorry your urine is cleaner than your blood because your blood goes through your liver and then it goes through your kidneys which reabsorbs some minerals and then basically they distill your blood into a crystalline plasma juice that is your urine. And that's basically why I drank it. And I did research that like even in like medical school, people are learning that your urine is basically blood plasma. And mm -hmm. I think in a perfect world, it would be 
it is a good practice in the perfect world if there's no toxicity at all because i mean that's the thing like even though it is cleaner than your blood and i think you still can use it to purify your blood because for a year and a half i drank probably every single drop of my urine and i felt whoa any time that i didn't drink it i felt like in a disconnect because i felt like i needed to drink it and this was nobody telling me to do this one guy i saw was posting about it like what is this 20 2020 in july i saw a guy posting about this and i said what is this how do you do it what is this about and then he told me and then i drank it and I just felt a deep connection with myself and a very high feeling. And Okay, hold up, hold up, hold up. Excuse me, Logan. So you <laughs> said for a year and a half, you drank all of your urine. Yeah, just about. Anytime, anytime that I didn't drink it, I felt like I did. I felt like I, why would I waste it? You know, that's what I felt like. Wow. Okay. Okay. So continue. So <laughs> you started doing it okay so I think you were getting to the point where you don't really resonate with that so much anymore what was that like that transition yeah so basically I don't really partake in it anymore for the reason that uh well I feel like I can get I the reason was like it's a carbon chain based liquid so it has carbon attached to it so it is molecularly structured and um, like structured water, like H3O2. I don't know if you know about that. Just like mm-hmm. milk or stuff like that. Anyway, so basically, <laughs> sorry, I kind of am forgetting what I'm trying to say. Basically, nowadays, I feel like since I'm getting all the nourishment from whole animal foods and plant foods and other things like that, I don't really have a use for it because the whole point was because I wanted nourishment. Like people said it has 102 minerals and if you drink it, you're not losing minerals. And if you drink other, if you eat something that is not your urine, you're, it's a fractionated food and something, which can, I don't really agree with at all anymore either. But like I said, nowadays, I see it as, well, it can be contaminated with glyphosate and microplastics and any possible vaccines you've had in the past, depending on your body. I mean, like, let's say you ate a strawberry that had that was sprayed with pesticides. It's going to be in your bloodstream and it's going to be in your urine. And also, like, you detoxify, like, estrogens and stuff through your urine also. And I was talking to this lady, Britt, at the time, and she was saying, because I told her I was doing urine therapy, and I also was starting to have, like, a, like a lump on one of my nipples, and it was hurting, and she was saying, maybe you should stop drinking the urine, because you could be re-ingesting uh, estrogens that your body is trying to get rid of, and I thought about that, hmm, that's pretty true, you know? Because it is a way of detoxification, but at the same time, it is cleaner than your own blood. So you just got to think about that. Okay, fascinating. So after, okay, so backing up to when you met Jolie and she picked you up, 
Mm-hmm. Like, so when she picked you up and you packed up all your stuff, was yeah. this the first time you had seen her? Oh, no. She came to visit me mm, three or four times before that. And Okay. But the thing, the whole thing where I started with the urine therapy is mm-hmm. I had a bunch of jars of aged urine, which is like urine that you ferment in a glass jar. Mm-hmm. And I had like gallon jars of it because um, like I would apply it. And obviously it does not smell like super good, but I would apply it on my skin to like suntan because it really did increase your suntan a lot. And <laughs> the jars, we put them in the, the wheelbarrow and they smashed on the <gasps> on the ground outside and it was like loud and I was worried my grandparents were gonna wake up in here so it was kind of that's what made me bring it up to begin with <laughs> yeah oh my gosh it's what a wild story like crazy okay so you snuck out you went to go live with Jolie in South Carolina where you're at now and how how did you transition then from using urine therapy to not using urine therapy and to getting into raw meat like how how did all of this pan out and like the farming thing like yeah all right so I'll start with this so I always there's always a deep part of me that once I discovered health and like seeking truth I always wanted to pursue what I found to be the utmost truth in that moment, you know? So as I found veganism and then as I found raw foods and I realized raw foods have more enzymes and everything. And during my juice fast, I felt like, ah, I don't want to consume any food because it makes me feel so dense and I don't want to be dense because I want to be like breatharian or whatever and be like only sustaining myself on breath and just be as, pure as I can be which I feel is just like um an idea an idea that you're already not whole and complete as yourself so Mm. I've shifted away from that over time and um actually Jolie and her grandpa are the ones who introduced me to animal foods again because me and Jolie were both vegan raw vegan when Mm. we met fruitarian you could say because we mainly would only eat fruit basically only fruit and then urine and uh that's why I liked her so much because we are so similar and like I just loved that I never met anybody who was exactly like that and I loved that so after I started reintroducing food which I was I drank only liquids for 90 days and in some times during that I also um did psychedelics and had some crazy experiences with uh, psychedelics. And um, one time I drank, I drank like, I don't know, it was probably about like two, two of this amount of jars. We would soak our pee out in the sunshine and it was summer. It was like a hundred degrees and I was tripping on uh, LSD and we were, I was sunbathing naked in the sun and I chugged it because I had previous experience with taking antibiotics in between my journey of raw veganism and I had a deep pain that I took them because my family basically forced me to take them because mm-hmm. I had like this lymphatic congestion. They thought I was going to like 
die or something. I don't understand why, but so they forced me to take antibiotics and I'm sorry I'm going all around, but it all ties. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. So the antibiotics made me feel deep pain. And that's the reason why I wanted to do the juice fast because for the longest time I felt this this swelling in both my lymph nodes and my cheeks and it felt Mm -hmm. like puffy and painful and I didn't know what to do to fix it. So I wanted to like face myself and just drink the pee that was that was from the antibiotics because once I took the antibiotics I felt like I could not drink my urine because of the antibiotics. I could see it coming out and I could taste it and then I stopped for like two weeks and afterwards I tried it again and I still could taste it for months and I would like chug like gallons of distilled water every day to try to flush it out. But then finally I just came over it and just decided it's all right and I'll be all right. And since I started the cleanest I ever tasted my pee was after I drank like a gallon of raw milk in a day tasted so fresh and amazing and I felt like it cleaned me like even more than when I was on only juice so I was eating more food and I was transitioning into eating more food and then eating some cooked food also and then at this time I was so I came down to South Carolina in July and then I went back home in August and in between then we actually went to this fruit farm in August we went to Homestead Florida to live on a fruit farm we were going to do work trade there but we actually didn't it did not work out at all it basically felt like a scam and other guys agreed with us too that were there and because they wanted us basically to be like white slaves house working and like we thought we were going to like be helping out doing like permaculture planting gardens and stuff but basically they wanted us to clean their house do their dishes and take care of their dogs which were also vegan the people were vegan and their dogs are vegan and the dogs are emaciated eating a third of a watermelon for breakfast oh god yeah it was sad but anyway (laughs) oh so (laughs) um so at the time I was back home in Maryland living back at my grandparents after I was in South Carolina and uh Jolie messaged me and she said she said, hey, Logan, I tried, my grandpa has raw milk, and I tried raw milk today, and I felt very deep nourishment, and she said that she was crying, and she just felt so connected to, uh, so connected, and, like, she's never felt that type of nourishment before, and she never loved drinking milk at all her whole life, because, like, normal milk is shitty, it doesn't taste good at all, Mm -hmm. so I was, like, damn like why would you want to drink milk you're not a baby cow why would you want to drink milk and because I was in that that mindset of like animal foods are wrong and she was like you're right or no I don't know what she said like she was like kind of like questioning what I had to say but then she I, I knew she I was judging her and she didn't want me to judge her and she like took a video of her dumping out some milk and was like I'm not drinking it anymore it's disgusting and then I was like oh well, okay so then she came back to Maryland to to visit me because I was planning to come back down to South Carolina and then uh 
yeah at that time and the whole thing is my whole life I was raised in Amish country in uh, Rising Sun Maryland literally five minutes from an Amish farm that sells some of the best um products like wow and I never knew and I would go to Amish farms and get produce as a kid but my family my grandma grew up on a dairy farm in Pennsylvania and she drank raw milk as a child but she never continued drinking it and I swear like if I grew up drinking raw milk life would have been so different but (laughs) so uh basically she uh we went back to South Carolina and her grandpa was talking and I said maybe I will want to try raw milk so I said can we go to the farm I want to see the farm that he gets it from so we went to the farm and we got some raw milk and in South Carolina it's legal to sell raw milk with a permit but a lot of states it's not legal right and it's like five dollars a gallon so we went to the farm and he was like oh boy it sure does have you ever smelled anything like this before it smells like a farm smells like real cows and I said oh, I do like the smell mm. <laughs> like it just smells like cows and everything like that so then I I just got a half a gallon and then I went we went home and I tried it and I just took a tiny little sip and I just like sat with it in my mouth for a couple minutes just tasting it and I swear I could just taste that cow essence so much I felt like I could taste the mother cow like like it just it's such a crazy experience especially the first time having any animal products and especially like living animal products in a long time since I mean breast milk really first time having like living milk since breast milk pretty Hmm. deep experience you know so Mm -hmm. I tried it and I was like wow and at the time I would just drink like little sips just like like tiny little sips and just like sit with it but mm-hmm. over time I just would drink more and then I tried um some raw eggs like I cracked a raw egg in a jar and I took a video to try to drink it and I was like oh this is I don't know about all this like, I know I was, yeah <laughs> I was like I don't know but over time like you could feel the nourishment and I said damn I don't think I'll ever go back after this at first sip I said I don't think I'm ever gonna go back and from there I experimented with like raw cheese and then got some butter and the first day I got butter from the farm they say that it's raw butter and it probably is but it's very it's pretty pale compared to other raw butter I've had like from Amish Mm -hmm. farms so part of me felt like maybe it's not raw but I do trust that it probably is. So I ate, we ate like half the pound of butter in, in like the car ride. And then, wow. And then we were like, I don't know about this butter. I don't think it's right. And then we put it in our compost pile. Oh, <laughs> but we didn't feel it after that. But then, um, so let's see. So, it was about Christmas time in 2020 and I was going back up to Maryland my uncle picked me up we were going back to Maryland so I could spend Christmas with my family and my grandpa asked me he said would you want to 
try some deer meat. My friend's a hunter, and he could give me some deer meat if he'd want to try it. And I said, yeah, I would like to try it because I haven't had any deer meat since. And my grandma, she said, I got you some. I said, could you get me some raw milk? And she had a, two gallons of raw milk from the Amish farm by the by I got there that night. So wow. that, that night when I got there, like it was so different because one the last time they saw me, I was drinking juice and eating fruit. Yeah. And just starting to eat food again. And then the next time they saw me, I basically was like only drinking milk and eating fruit. And hmm. Oh, and I also tried oysters. That was the first raw raw meat type of food I had, and that was a really good experience. Highly recommend raw oysters. Mm. And we actually foraged them out in the marsh for the first oysters. We tried, and we didn't know how to shuck them. Or I didn't know how, so we busted them on rocks and slurped them out. Oh, my gosh. The South is so good. Like, you guys have the far – like, your grandparents are already set up with all this raw dairy. You just go and get oysters. Like, it's amazing. I live in the Midwest, and it's not that easy to get these things. Yeah, the oysters definitely <laughs> – but I'm sure you can – I'm sure you have still access to – good animal foods if you can connect with good farmers yeah if you kind of i there yeah it's possible there are amish farms here you can i just think i lived in a wilmington north carolina for a while and oh. it's it's actually illegal in north carolina to sell raw milk yeah yeah <laughs> um but i like found the spots that would do it on the dl and but even though it was illegal there were more, I don't know, folks in the South are just like more traditional or something. There, there is, there was a lot of thoughtful farms around there. And in yeah. Michigan, yeah, I mean, I have access to raw milk and I love my farm, but it just, there's just, I don't know. I feel like in the North, they've lost a lot of that traditional value. And in the South, it's still kind of old fashioned in comparison to the rest of the country. Would you agree? Yeah, I would 100% agree. The people... <laughs> People around here, they want to continue their traditions. They don't want to give up their freedom. That's for sure. I know if, I know if there was military trucks coming down the road, they would be getting shot up with guns. I'm sure. <laughs> right. I love, I love that about the folks down there. Okay, but so you started eating raw meat. Mm -hmm. What were you thinking? Were you just moving through it intuitively, like, oh, okay, this raw milk tastes really good. So that yeah. feels good for me. Why don't I just try some more of this animal food because it's starting to taste good and then I want it raw because of the enzymes? Like, was that your thought process? Yeah, I'll explain this. Okay, so this is how it started. So my grandpa, he got me the the venison from, from his buddy and I thought, all right, if I'm going to try some meat, I might as well try this because it's probably the cleanest I can get. And I didn't know where to access any other farms. I, there's Amish farms right around the corner, but I didn't think I could go there and buy it from them because I didn't even know until I found about like Amish farms online and then they shipped and stuff. So right. he got me the venison and I built a campfire out in the backyard and he was, um, he wanted me to, he wanted to cook it for me on the campfire. So I said, all right, but I was, I followed, I was getting into people online, like when I was still like, when I first drank raw milk, I found people online eating like 100% like raw meat only. And I was like, 
following them, but I just was looking at it and I didn't really know about it, yeah. but I was just looking because it looked interesting to me. And I was seeing like people are just eating a bunch of liver and stuff like that's kind of weird. But mm -hmm. then I saw that. So I got the meat and I cooked some and then I just people were able to help me reprogram my mind about bacteria and about that bacteria is what gets you sick. And I was like, hmm, so bacteria actually doesn't get you sick. It's actually from toxicity. That's pretty interesting. So once I reprogrammed that in my mind and realized that eating raw meat could not get me sick at all and I'd be perfectly fine, I said, all right, well, I'll try it. So I just took a bite out of it and tasted it. And I was like, it just tasted so like fresh and like rich. And just like irony, and I never tasted meat like that before, like in that state. Although it was just like just frozen deer meat, it was still very, very bioavailable in my body. I could feel like, and he was so I cooked a decent amount, and I hadn't eaten a large portion raw, I just took a small bite, and mm -hmm. uh, definitely because I really was curious, I really wanted to try it, and I knew I had to try it so I did and then later that night I still had the campfire going I ate the first time eating meat again I ate like a pound of deer and then I went in my grandparents freezer and because they get um cow from one of their one of our cousins in Pennsylvania raises cows and wow. they buy a cow every year for in the freezer so I got a whole packet of frozen ground beef, didn't even thaw it out. And I just put it on the fire and was just like picking off pieces as it, as it like warmed up. And I just like ate it all. And my grandpa, before that, he was like, you don't want to go too fast. You don't know how your <laughs> stomach will feel. And I literally ate like two pounds that night. And part of me was like, I don't know, I, I got to be careful eating, eating some meat because I don't want my parasites to be addicted to eating meat and then I just am taken over with parasites eating so much meat because that was a mindset that I used to have like uh eating meat is parasites and I would tell my mom like my family would all eat meat and stuff and I'd say oh you guys are filled with parasites oh man uh -huh. and all this and <laughs> but really it's just not the case it's I mean we have parasites but they're symbiotic with us anyways so yeah, I basically tried raw meat and I never the first time I had a fully raw meat meal is when I I went to a farm and in South Carolina, a grass-fed beef farm. I was searching for a couple weeks to find one because I it was kind of hard to find one. I was thinking like, damn, there's really not much farms around here with the grass-fed beef cuz yeah. I was like I wanted like grass-fed cuz I wanted to have like the best I could. Mhm. Mm so we went there and I got some liver and some ground beef frozen. Both were frozen. And the first night we ch I tried the liver, I tasted it and I said, oh, this tastes terrible. Like, uh -huh. and I was spitting it out and it was, I'm mean, most likely it was an old cow and it tastes a lot stronger, not as good if the older the cow it is. Mm. And it's a lot, lot tougher. So it's best if you get a cow that's like 10 months, mm. um, only a milk and grass. So, yeah, basically from then on, I just 
started trying more more of those foods and then I got a I went to that farm and because I asked them like I was curious and I was asking them questions like do you guys have me like what kind of organs do you have because I wanted to try because I was watching like carnivore MD about he's talking about like eat liver eat liver eat liver good good nutrition and everything and the reason a real big reason I wanted to try eating the raw meat is because um like I said this lady Brit I was talking to she she transitioned from fruitarian to uh like I don't know what the word is, but she would eat oysters and and like fruitarian and then raw oysters and then mm. raw milk and stuff too. And she was telling me like I should try eating uh, raw raw beef for the benefits for my testosterone to boost my testosterone so I wouldn't – so I could heal the swollen nipple, which I did heal within like a month or two eating a lot of – first beginning to eat raw meat and like raw eggs and I was wow. I was having like a lot of raw egg milkshakes and milk and honey raw eggs and fruit a lot because you know like fruit is estrogenic it's the uh what is it it's the ovary of the plant you know it's mm. the ovary of the tree it's the yeah. genitals of the tree so it's wow full sexual hormones and estrogens fruit estrogens I mean I wouldn't say that they're bad at all but eating only fruit and no nothing else to balance it out I right. definitely was more feminized than I am now and just weak I was very weak and I wasn't driven I didn't want to work I didn't want to do all I really cared about was like going on a walk in the woods and chilling I was definitely in more of a, a feminine energy in that time but since I moved here I definitely like I literally got my first job once I moved down here and my family never made me do anything like they didn't make me get a job they wanted me to but I was like no I don't want to work I, like they're just giving me what giving me food so I thought I didn't need to do anything else but now I definitely obviously I want to work and I want to grow and I want to have finances and I want to have abundance but back then I was just like oh I'm abundant I'm abundant but I wasn't doing shit to have abundance you know yeah but uh yeah so basically eating raw meat and then I didn't for a time I was just like only eating raw meat and then eating cooked meat and then in the summertime Oh, yeah. Well, I guess I can add this in. So I something I always just wanted to since I since I got super skinny, I just thought like I just want to get bigger and get stronger and gain weight. And so I was started like working out and doing calisthenics and trying to build up my body and along with eating the uh, the raw animal foods definitely benefited that. And we went back up to Maryland for my birthday, which is April 29th. So we went up to Maryland to visit my family, and we went to some Amish farms. And um, Jolie, she loves to make baskets out of natural material, natural mm -hmm. invasive material, because that's like the most sustainable way since the invasive plants are taking over and they're like causing harm. So if she can... Uh, 
clear out some of that and make art out of it. It's a beautiful thing. So I was climbing in a mimosa tree. I don't know if you have them in where you're from, but Mm -mm. basically it's like Asian. It's from Asia and it's a beautiful tree. Uh, The bark smells like cucumbers kind of, and there's got these beautiful pink fluffy flowers in like June. So we like cut the bark and strip it and to pull it and I was climbing up in the tree and it's super slimy underneath the bark and uh, I was up in there trying to get the bark and I was on my way back down and I stepped on a tree branch like in the tree and my foot slipped and my and I fell down and my leg got caught in a on a, like like a branch coming out of the tree like that like and like that thick Mm -hmm. and it impaled my thigh like the back of my hamstring and I was like hanging hanging by my leg and oh and I was like oh shit I hope my leg isn't stuck in the damn tree and then I had to pull myself up and and Jolie helped me but I had to pull my leg out of the tree like it was in there and I had to pull my leg out of it and then uh I got up and like it, it went through my shorts. I was wearing shorts and it pierced through my shorts. Probably it probably went in two two inches or maybe that much. I don't know, but um, I was like no, like I was screaming no. And we we're in my mom's neighborhood in like a little like a cul-de-sac or whatever in the end back of the neighborhood, just right at the edge of the woods. Luckily, we weren't down in the woods because it's a, a steep little hill there. And I was screaming, no, no, because I hate going to the hospital. And I didn't know what else to do. We didn't know what else to do. She tied up my leg real tight with one of her favorite hoodies and stopped stopped the bleeding. And then we got in the car and she drove me up to my mom's house, which is just like two, like one minute or 30 seconds. And then uh, she gets my mom and uh, she's, I'm like, oh, mom, I just was got impaled by a tree and she's like, holding holding my baby sister that's a year old Aww. because my, I'm the oldest of of my siblings my mom just had a one-year-old baby mm. um and geez oh man I was in pain a lot and so she called the ambulance because like we were like 15 minutes from the hospital and I was like should we go to the hospital or should we call the ambulance so they called the ambulance just because you have to wait a long ass time at the hospital. Like mm. people wait for like a couple hours and I was like impaled and didn't know what to do. And I still yeah. was waiting in the hospital. And this was just this summer. So mm. this was just the summer. And I was like eating good foods and eating at that time. I was probably eating like mostly only raw meat and stuff. Okay. And then other food, like fruit and other milk and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh so I'm at the hospital and the nurses and stuff are Jolie couldn't come with me in the ambulance because we're not married and I was like come I was like please can you just let her come with can you, please I just need somebody to comfort me and the nurses were like she can't come with and I was like all right fine so it took me to the the emergency room and I was just sitting in there and I just kept asking them I was like I was like are you guys gonna need to do anything to me like I'm not I'm don't want any pills I don't want any medications I don't want anything anything I can not take I don't want anything 
for the pain or anything. And they were like, they were like, are you sure you don't want any pain medicine? I said, no, I don't want any pain medicine. And they were like, and the doctor came in and I was like, all right, so what are you guys going to have to do? She was like, we're going to have to sew it up. But, and I was like, I don't want anything to do with any medication. Can you just sew it up? And I, they were like, we got to clean it out with some saline water. And I was like, that they wouldn't, they wouldn't do it unless I let them. And I said, all right, fine, you can do it. And there wasn't anything in there. Cause I was like, cause they were threatening me and saying, you're going to get it infected. If you don't take any antibiotics, it's going to get infected. You're going to get sepsis and die. And I said, I'm not going to die. Oh, <laughs> and wow. like they just, they all just kept saying that they, my mom was like, just tell They were like, just tell him that. Tell him what will happen if he doesn't take antibiotics. Oh, yeah. And so they're trying to give me fentanyl for the pain. And I said, hell no, I don't want fentanyl for the pain. You can just sew it up without it. But they did they did give me Novocaine, like, into my leg, right mm -hmm. in the area, which I couldn't refuse or they wouldn't uh, sew it back up. And at the time, we were panicked. And now I feel like... I one of us probably she probably jolie probably could have sewed it up for me if we really wanted needed to like if we were like out in the middle of nowhere mm -hmm. we probably could have gotten by yeah but, um so yeah basically they were just trying to make me afraid and i was like i was my uh, my mom was like come on logan you just gotta take the antibiotics i was like all right mom i'll take them go get the prescription filled or whatever and they just were like, there. I was like, all right, thanks. And I just took, I just took the bottle and acted like I was taking them and didn't right. take them. And then at the time, I was messaging a bunch of people in some, some group chats that are like, pro bacteria, like, raw food people. And I was like, what do you guys think I should do to, to heal my wound because. It's pretty deep wound and pale. They did give me stitches, which like plastic stitches internally too, that they don't remove. And then external ones that eat, that Jolie did remove for me later. So uh, they were saying use a raw meat bandage. And I was like, all right, I don't know about this. And oh, they're, yeah, I've heard about this. Yeah, they were just telling me about like get fresh meat and uh, put like, Put a layer of honey, put a layer of butter, put put raw meat on it, and then wrap it up. And I was like, I don't know. So I didn't do that. I just applied raw honey on it, like good quality, actual raw honey, like unheated raw honey, not that liquidy raw honey from mm -hmm. Walmart, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I applied, Jolie applied that and she, she really saved my life during that time because I really was like bedridden for like two weeks. I could barely walk and yeah. we, we were, that was like two days before we were headed back to South Carolina and my family was like, I don't think you're ready to go back. I was laying, laying in bed. I couldn't get out of bed and I just felt like I couldn't do much. But that last day I said, I could barely go to the bathroom by myself. I needed Jolie to hold my hand because I could barely barely uh squat because I like squat on the toilet to go to the bathroom or like use a stool or whatever right man 
I, I probably wouldn't have got through that because my family would have just been like ridiculous about it and not wanting to be as accommodating. Mm-hmm. So I was pretty good birthday gift was getting my leg impaled, but yeah, uh, wow. Yeah, so basically just kept applying the raw honey for like a week or two weeks or three weeks until it fully healed up and basically apply like wash it off with warm water and urine. I that's another thing. I made sure she rinsed it with urine also because it's like am- antiseptic and stuff. Oh, like, okay, yeah. I said, I said please wash it with my fresh pee. Like I would pee and then she'd wash it with that. And then apply the the honey and then she would change it once or twice a day or no twice a day for like the first week and then once a day the rest of the time and uh healed up good i told my family after i said i didn't take a single one of those pills and (laughs) i didn't have any problems though i did go through a pretty heavy um fever detox period like as it was healing up and i also went swimming in in rivers and like in the south the rivers are pretty high in bacteria and they say like there's mm-hmm. so much e coli that you can't it's not good to swim in them normally but i literally had an open wound and i was swimming in the rivers and i wouldn't say that it was um negligent on my part i did it knowing that i would be all right and it wouldn't have caused any problems because it's it was fucking hot out and i wanted to go swimming and, you know, it's not, like, terrible polluted water. It just is, like, bacteria, you know, from, like, ducks and stuff, like, pooping. Mm-hmm. So, basically, and I think this is a valuable story because it teaches you that since then, I validated that I don't need the medical system for my for my own well-being, you know? See, I still don't know what I would do if I broke a, a bone, though, but... I don't know, probably figure something out in that time, but so. So then, okay, yeah, go ahead. Well, okay, sorry, I was kind of forgot what I'm going to say, but I remembered. So I went through a pretty heavy, uh, heavy detoxification, you could call it. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I don't know what it could be from. Maybe it was my body reacting to the Novocaine and the plastic stitches or something, but at that time when I was going through the healing process, I really did not want to eat a lot. I felt very not wanting to eat, very pretty nauseous at times. And I lost a lot of weight. I lost like 10 pounds at that time because I was, I built myself back up from previous veganism and probably got up to like 140 or 145. And then I dropped down to like 125 again. And I was like, I had like a hundred five fever and I was throwing up for like a couple days and I had, I had liquid, liquid uh, diarrhea for probably like three weeks. Wow. I literally couldn't, I literally couldn't do really anything. And I needed to, at that time, I, Jolie's grandpa wanted me to help him work and stuff. And I like barely could help him. I was super fatigued and not in a, not in a way of being able to do physical work because my body was just trying to rebuild itself from all the all the pain it went through but I'm doing my leg is perfectly fine now and doing really good so I just think that's a valuable thing to add in 
Yeah, so it's fascinating. We, what I forget how I got to this part of the story because I guess I'm kind of just talking chronological order of up until now. Kind yeah, of. I like you it because it get to the farm aspect too. I do want to get to the farm aspect. I, I think we too. should. Yeah, that would be great. Um, but it's nice we can see like how you guys all got to be. So how did the farm start happening? And also, what are you drinking? Okay. Um, I mixed some raw honey and I had some milk sitting out for a couple of days in my room just because I had one before bed and I just hadn't messed with it. So it got pretty chunky. I mixed it with honey and then added more milk. And I'm just drinking that now. So just like um, fermented milk and plain milk and uh, honey. Nice. Because I right. want a snack. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Um, okay. So how did you guys start the farm? Okay. So we first started another, basically, when I first met Jolie, I, when I first met her on Instagram, I, she made a post about pomegranate trees that she was going to be growing and selling. And I texted her and I said, I want to buy one from you once you have them. And, but she never ended up doing that. We just ended up meeting anyways. And then, because we both were interested in growing fruit trees and we wanted to have a fruit orchard because at the time when we were vegan, so her family has property, a lot of property and a field that they said we could plant use it and do whatever we wanted to do with it and plant fruit trees and that was that was our that is our vision still but i'm just saying that was our vision because that was our vision at the time as well yeah how how big is the property um the property that we're on right now is like 300 acres but it's sectioned off between um her family her uncle's brothers and sisters so okay. the part that is her uncle's is about maybe 80 mm -hmm. and it's a lot of woods and then a big a big field at the top which is his sister's which we access to but then we have like a seven acre field about that we're planting our fruit trees in okay so we started off by um just planting getting fruit trees from from uh, online sellers and stuff and we just wanted to like have a food forest and grow our own food and have our own self-sustainable food ecosystem with fruit trees and are all organic because that's something we value very mm -hmm. highly value is organic um, food the uh, very rich nourishing food so um yeah basically that's just how it started like we just started out by getting some fruit trees at some nurseries around and planting them and doing more research and doing a lot of research in permaculture and how to build soil because this is this was an old cotton farm which they used chemical fertilizer and depleted the soil it was her uncle's dad was a cotton farmer and they used to plow the fields with uh, mules like literally they used to plow the fields with mules which wow. is really cool and yeah it is I uh, never really, before they even used tractors. Mm. So, uh, yeah, this is, this is what I really wanted to talk about getting into the, um, like 
the self-sufficient ecosystems and permaculture and stuff is that uh let me think oh yeah she she's bringing me some notes oh hi can she come say hi i want to say hi do you want to say hi jolie she wanted me to say that we inherit all of the land that we're staying on now. She inherits it from her um uncle. Oh, that's amazing. Hey, Hi. Julie. Hi. Hi. It's great to meet nice you. To meet. Yeah. Uh, I grew up here on this farm, too, that he's talking about. Yeah. So I kind of like my uncle and aunt, they kind of raised me. They don't have any kids. So um, I'm like, I'm their kid, basically. And yeah, I grew up on this land and. You know, like, it's just, like, ours to do whatever with because people around here and people actually all over the place, you'll find that there's a lot of older folks are just sitting on land. Mm -hmm. I feel like, like, if I can, like, inspire that to anybody out there, you don't have to own land to have a farm. Like, people Mm -hmm. are just sitting on land. Like, I know so many people around here who are just, like, sitting on hundreds of acres. And they're not doing anything with it. Yeah. Wow. It's pretty, uh, that's like something that I, uh, that we, I noticed a lot. Like my grandpa leases out people's land for cows. He's one of our like biggest inspirations on farming. Yeah, it's so cool. The the role that your guys' family has in your journey together and with food is amazing. And yeah. What I want to do is lease land to farmers and give land to farmers and investment money to farmers because I tried farming, actually. Like, I tried farming on someone else's farm, and the work was, like, way too heavy for me. It was way too physical for me. Like, it's hard work. Farming is hard work. Logan and I have talked about that before. And... I don't want to farm, but I want other people to farm. And I think that's such an amazing (laughs) message, Jolie, that, that people can... You you have a lot of options if you want to farm, and you have people that yeah. would love to have you farm on their land. The easiest way to get started would be to contact somebody and try to lease some land from them and start getting animals and planting stuff. If planting stuff, you're going to have to have more long term, so you would have mm-hmm. to figure that out. But yeah. if it's trees, but if it's like vegetables go for people around here like because it's such like a tight-knit community and my family has been here for like hundreds of years like we have like there's like a graveyard of (laughs) like for my family like everyone knows everybody because it's just like a little town but um like I know so many people would land that like they would literally let us have it for free like my grandpa he leases like 50 acres for free wow if you know anything and you know, pe- people are just sitting on land. You just have to have good intentions. And, mm-hmm. you know, I actually, I work on a ton of grants, too. All you mm-hmm. have to do is just, like, start up your farm name, like, and just have a vision. And people will give you money. People will support farmers, especially regener- regenerative farmers. I just, like, did a grant. We are working on a grant. And, you know, I'm frequently doing grants, trying to get money to come in for our farm. And mm-hmm. Logan's likes to do like the physical work mm-hmm. and you know he does you know all that stuff with the animals and everything yeah the animals are my favorite just because i love to see the smiling faces of the pig 
Oh yeah, they're the best. I loved working with animals for sure. Farms also work so well with couples. The, yeah. Like with couples where the man or one of them loves to do the physical work and the other person loves to do like the back end business stuff, which I found is often the female, which is really cool. And it, yeah, it I works think that well. she can do that better than me because I think she just is better at that type of stuff. I'd much rather would just be just having good time with my critters and building it up like um so basically the vision that we have I want to talk about the vision that we have the vision yeah. that we have is to provide high quality foods to our local community and other people as well by creating a regenerative system with the food forest meaning having fruit trees and layering it thick deep mulch layers of compost and straw and um, cow manure and uh, wood chips and over time as it builds up it's thick good soil and then the tree grows and eventually if you have a big enough area of all the trees and plants combined together along with animals the trees will be able to fertilize themselves over time along with the animals pooping and peeing around mm -hmm. them because in the forest, that's the most self-reliant system that you can see easiest because all the leaves just fall to the ground and compost themselves every year, feeding the themselves. And that's another uh, like concept, just like feeding itself. It's just like a completed cycle, you know? Yeah. Is that what per permaculture is? Yeah, I'd say permaculture is a system, like it's like a enclosed system of, um, well, we're with the food forest. That's like another aspect of permaculture, just like that you can just be. When we were vegan, we liked permaculture and we didn't care about the animals. But yeah, it's really you're not going to be as successful without the animals. You can't really do it without the animals, and you can't have the animals without the fruit trees either, because. Yeah. How are you going to feed the pigs, you know? Like people, how are you going to feed your animals? I mean, cows, you know, like it's still like you're still building the soil for grass. Yeah, and they but... love grass, but uh, mm -hmm. they love fruit too. Yeah, they, they absolutely mm -hmm. love fruit. But um, yeah, so I was going to say like permaculture is just kind of like the enclosed system of, of you're kind of building your own ecology ecological system and you know, both of us, we've traveled on our travels, like up to Maryland and back down here and down to Florida. We've been to dozens of permaculture farms that have done, we've seen it in action. And, um, you know, like the industrial agriculture, they're not really able to do things not organically because they don't have that eco ecological system implemented already because they're just monocropping and it's not following nature cycles right adding back to the soil they add chemicals back to the soil mm -hmm. and that's something like that i've we've seen because you know here in the south like with the cotton and us being on a cotton farm on cotton farm my family's old cotton farm the cotton mills industrial agriculture is just called wrecked absolute havoc on the lands and you know everything yeah. they've done like it's it's terrible, it, you know. Even with the pollutants of they polluted the river. When my mom was growing up, they the rivers would be dyed different colors because of the cotton mills, and 
like all the textiles and all the pesticides they dump it in the rivers and yeah you know, those are just it's just harms our environment and harms just harms everything and you know I have a vision we both have a vision for permaculture we both have the vision for what we want to inspire other farmers to be because industrial agriculture is just not working right yes and we need you guys so much and it makes me so happy like I <laughs> I'm 31 and I'm like kind of outside of society and you know in the raw meat world in in you you're kind of separate a little bit from society when you eat these crazy yeah. diets that that yeah. a lot of other people don't eat so I'm like I don't really know what's going on out there I don't know if pe more people are interested in farming or what what the situation is and it just makes me so happy to see you guys passionate about this and building something and uh, we really need you. And it makes me happy that you're happy doing it. And uh, I think it's phenomenal. And here's the thing I would like to ask about the pigs in the forest, because I see Logan on your stories, you see the pigs running around the forest. And to me, like, I will pay top dollar to have meat that's, that's, forest fed like that's like the next level right because you think about like oh there's yeah. free range and then there's like what do you call um pasture raised but then yeah. what about forest raised like that's yeah. a whole new level so <laughs> so so can you talk sure. about that like why aren't more pigs raised in forests all right well i mean the main reason people don't raise pigs in the forest is because they just care about production and profit, like for the industrial agriculture, mm -hmm. they raise pigs in, on concrete slabs uh, with no access to even grounding, like mm. the pigs uh, don't even get to ground on the earth. And they don't get to root around and use their noses like pigs like to do. Mm -hmm. They just are enclosed in boxes and barely can move. They literally just are in front of feed 24 seven and can't move and get tumors and get they're just poisonous pigs but so i think there are a lot more people nowadays that are raising pigs in the forest and raising pastured pigs which i'd say they can they will go hand in hand and both of them are very much exactly what you are looking for if you're wanting the best quality meat and especially if you're raising a heritage breed which is a just an old old timey type of pig that has a darker red meat that mm. and but at the same time it's got to be eating eating bugs in the ground eating grass and eating acorns and nuts and everything that's in the forest and their meat is a dark red color similar to tuna or beef and you don't see that at the grocery store if you look at a pork chop at the grocery store it's like pale pink looking mm -hmm. like a chicken breast you know or a little darker but um so yeah, the pigs in the forest. Um, I built a goat pen in that forest in that this area because I well, I got goats and I wanted to have them like behind the house, but it wasn't enough space for the goats because they're browsers and they require to eat a lot of leaves and they like to roam around a lot more. But the pigs are a lot more content in the area that I have for them, which is a pretty sizable area for for five pigs but uh i plan on my very next goals that i want to do is uh i'm gonna get some electric netting and some electric fencing and i'm gonna run it out in the woods 
pens and in some of our pasture area and rotate the pigs around so they can have access to consistent new um, forage for them so they can be as happy and healthy as they can be. And that coincides with having them in the food forest. And that's what you call silvopasture, um, combining mm. animal rotation with uh, fruit trees, nut trees, and other food sources that you can grow for them. So that's what our, I'd say our objective is long-term to have a fully functioning food forest and you pick farm that people can come pick fruits that they want at the highest quality that's fertilized in the best way. And then they can purchase the best quality uh, meat that they could get anywhere unless it's a farm like us that is doing it too um basically like well apple trees and peach trees and pear trees pigs love all that stuff so we're growing a lot of apple trees and we have some pears but we're getting more and mm -hmm. we have a lot of fig trees i don't the figs are mainly for like the you pick aspect and the whole thing with the food forest is about the layers and uh, having multiple tiers of of uh, food, like so, you have the ground level, and you have uh, vining produce, like cover crops, like uh, watermelons and stuff, and then you'd have mm. bush layers, like blueberries or blackberry vines, and then you'd have mm. um, you'd have your trees, like your understory trees, like um, I don't know, like a peach or plum or something and then you have your overstory trees like pears and apples that get really tall specific types will get taller it depends on the root stock because nowadays in a commercial orchard all the trees are grafted onto a dwarfing rootstock so that they're easier for the people to pick which is like a, a specific apple that has a dwarf genetics they take it and they grow it and then they splice it with another apple tree that like a honey crisp apple mm -hmm. then it grows and the whole tree will only get 10 feet tall mm -hmm. so it's easier for production but for our sake we can we could have 40 foot tree app 40 foot tall apple trees and pick all the ones in the accessible area for us and for selling and then all the ones that fall, once they get ripe and overripe, the pigs will love and they'll eat them. And the chickens, because we also have chickens and we're rotating chickens right now. We do do that right now. Um, I built a chicken tractor, which that if you have any type of land for anybody listening to this, if you have any space and you have like $200, you can build a chicken tractor even in your backyard if you have like a fourth of an acre. And you can just uh, rotate it around and feed them, obviously, and collect eggs. And the idea of a chicken tractor is um, kind of like, well, it's pasture-raised poultry, but it's not necessarily like free-range because they're in a in the, like a space. But you move yeah. them every day so that they have access to new grass and new bugs and they're not wallowing in their shit. Mm -hmm. So they're a lot healthier than any other critter. And their fat is so much darker yellow that it's unreal. Like, I've never seen yellow fat chicken until I butchered one of our chickens. And, like, literally around their kidneys and stomach, 
actually, I don't know if chickens have kidneys. They might, but around their stomach, it's like dark yellow fat that's unreal. It looks like egg yolk, but it's literally mm. oh, that from eating grubs and grass. Yeah. So we also feed our chickens, uh, our chickens and pigs, they eat um, meat that we hunt. Like if we go get a deer or something, if I don't want to eat it, or like a roadkill deer, even that's fresh roadkill yeah, deer. Roadkill deer all the time for yeah, time. just wow. recently. Grind them up, the grind up the meat for them because they're picky sometimes. Yeah, just recently Smart. we got a, a roadkill deer that was fresh, and uh, I taught her brother how to butcher a deer, and then we, it was twenty degrees out, so it really didn't even start rotting at all. It was like mm. perfectly fresh, and uh, the next morning we ground all of it up and fed it to the chickens it was like 25 pounds we didn't feed it all at once but fed it to the chickens and pigs and they love it they love it so much and it makes their eggs such a dark colored orange so rich and vital because we the whole reason we wanted chicken is because i couldn't find soy and corn free eggs anywhere i couldn't find mm -hmm. i couldn't find good eggs anywhere anywhere you look there's no good eggs hey do you have good eggs no they don't have <laughs> so we had to get our own eggs and that was the only option though they don't produce as much because like they aren't getting like high quantities of like dry grain yeah they do produce a good amount they produce a good amount so they could probably produce more they're pretty picky which is weird because like sometimes when we feed them meat they won't even eat it for like a day or two so it's kind of mm. interesting yeah, and it's, but it's such a good reminder. I was just looking at a post on Instagram today about that, how chickens eat meat. And a lot of us that are just buying from the grocery store think that they're supposed to be vegetarian fed because that's what it says on all the egg cartons. Yeah. But they're not, they're opportunistic something, right? Like they just eat, they should have all different types of stuff, including yeah. I mean, their favorite food is like, they just like, we'll feed them meat in the chicken tractor and it's like 10 by 20. It's it's huge it's too damn big we can barely move it her grandpa helped us design it and he was he was like oh you need a big a big tractor so that they have all the room they could have and I was like all right and I spent like two grand on it and I could have built one for like 300 and been perfectly all right I know I was surprised you said you just need like 200 bucks I'm like wow that's a huge like important piece of equipment for 200 bucks yeah, you can build a, a decent one for like 200 or 300 wow. bucks. And, but that's the thing, like mine's huge and we'll feed them meat and like we'll get mealworms for them and they'll eat them, but then we'll let them out because we let them out every day and then let them back in. Mm -hmm. The whole reason we wanted free range chickens that were protected because everybody always says, oh, the hawks are going to get them, the coyotes are going to get them, but we never had any problems with one getting a chicken and but we had one chicken that wouldn't go back in and it stayed outside for like a week and then it finally got killed one night. But, oh, yeah. But the first thing they go for is they just run to the woods and they just start pecking in the dirt looking for grubs and stuff. Like that's their favorite food to eat. And mm -hmm. they say vegetarian fed because like if they did feed them like dry, rancid animal products, it would make them sick because it's rancid, dried, cooked animal foods. That's why we feed them. Like if we cook meat and it's like we don't want it, we could feed it to them and they're fine. Mm -hmm. But if it's like spoiled, 
cooked food, I don't think that they should be eating it. And that's why they they say like vegetarian fed, and that's why some they used to have like problems in the feedlots because they would feed like nasty stuff to them. Like that's why they that's why they like outlawed raw milk is because they were people were getting sick drinking milk that was from cows that were like eating sewage and stuff. Yeah. Right. And then like they were testing it and they're like, oh, raw milk makes you sick. Gotta cook it. Yeah, I know. It's a load of crap. That's for sure. Um, okay, so the so you guys have goats and pigs and chickens. Those are the, yeah. the animals you have. Okay. Yeah, and her grandpa has cows and I worked at a cow and goat grass fed cow farm and goat farm for a couple months and I really loved it, but I wasn't getting paid enough, so I stopped, but I was, it's just a super good place to be, and I do love it, and I would go back there soon, so, um, yeah, recently, I've just been getting so, like, in love with pigs, and I don't know why, but they're just, now, I feel like they're, like, my favorite animal to raise, like, I would even sell my goats to buy more pigs, you know, Yeah. like, I just, I just bought, hmm. Well, I just spent like four hundred dollars on three new pigs that are Cooney Cooney. They're uh, they're from New Zealand. They're a pasture type of pig that like mm. to graze more than dig with their nose. Mm. So they they're easy to put out in the field, and they're really docile. They're very beautiful pigs, and I'm gonna start breeding them soon. Um, once the boy is up to breeding age, he's three months, and and you probably will want a picture for the podcast, so I'll get a good picture of me and the pigs for that. Nice. Yeah, perfect. Okay. And I wanted to comment, too, about the fruit trees and the pigs. Like, genius. I was going to ask you why you wanted the trees to grow so tall. Why do you want 40-foot apple trees? And it's because so humans can't get them, and eventually they'll fall and the animals can feed on them. Yeah. Well, wow. some of the trees can get that tall. A couple mm -hmm. of them we planted. So all the trees we got were grafted from our buddy and they're grafted on a rootstock that gets them up to maybe 15 feet. But he told me that if you plant them be below the graft, the main tree will grow roots and it could get up to 40 feet tall. So we mm -hmm. did that with a couple of them. And yeah, I mean, if we really, apple trees are pretty strong. So if you really wanted to climb up and collect them, it would not be a problem. But I can just see that for like farm business and just producing good food, having pigs eating good quality fruits and stuff, people will pay. I've heard the farmer I worked for, he told me that he heard about um, chestnut finished hogs basically pigs that are finished their life before they're killed to be um eaten they're like running around in a in a um chestnut orchard only eating chestnuts and grass mm. for like the last like month or two and like it's like super high dollar like like really expensive stuff and i think that would be a really del it's like a delicacy you know mm -hmm. and like peach finished um pork and and stuff too at the moment i feed my pigs all of the food scraps um i feed them fermented milk mixed with their grain and then i feed them wheat which i get at a mill a grain mm -hmm. mill it's not organic wheat but they don't have organic wheat and it's kind of hard to find really good quality um 
grains unless you grow them yourself or we could possibly find a grain mill grain mill and get like especially um grain to get shipped in mm -hmm. but for now i'm just starting out and i'd be fine eating a pig that has some glyphosate because it still is eating so much good food and grass and it's grounding all the time it's got good microbiome because it's literally like rooting its nose is in the dirt and uh mm -hmm. yeah basically like this world is not perfect and you can't get everything perfect i'm just happy yeah. that they're not eating a normal commercial hog feed that's primarily um super terrible soybean, soybean yeah soybean corn added soybean oil and then they even put canola in it too which is just terrible because for a soybean to be fed to an animal or even humans they have to process it with a pretty pretty harsh chemical cooking process for a normal soybean mm -hmm. to even be like edible for a critter oh wow yeah it just so yeah it seems just sad. like really foreign and not natural to me too can pigs live off of a no grain diet like how like I'm thinking back to just like wild pigs yeah and they're they are also eating everything for sure kind of like chickens in a way right but yeah could you keep pigs without grains yeah I think you for sure can um if they have access to enough space and mm -hmm. you've got enough nut trees around and uh, grass and fruit and um see in the wild there's uh, hundreds and thousands of wild hogs out in south carolina hmm. it's people consider them a nuisance you can hunt for them without a permit at all and like they want you to kill them because they like tear up people's property just yeah yesterday. they're very well, destructive huh yeah just yesterday i saw on facebook this guy had a hog trap and it had 40 hogs in it at once oh my god yeah, it was pretty crazy i'll send you the picture later on but please do it was i was crazy i asked him i said are you eating them he said some of them if they're good but yeah i mean there's we live on our the property we live on there's 300 acres here and then bordering the property there's a power line trail and that's like dividing the property there's a like thousand acre wildlife management area and it's very beautiful and it's public land anybody can go out there and hunt if they have permit or not permit for hogs which it's great but i've never hunted a wild hog but yeah they literally survive they live on rooting and nuts and grass and greens and uh like rodents and stuff like they'll eat like mm. mice they'll eat chickens like they'll literally eat chickens uh right like they will the hogs actually the reason people want to hunt them so much is because they they ruin the deer and turkey hunting like they'll i don't know if they'll eat deer but they'll like uh they from what i was researching they'll like mess with it and it mm -hmm. makes it pretty uh pretty not good for the the deer hunting people but yeah i once we have a big enough area we definitely would be able to raise hogs like if i enclose the whole forest and just let them run free some people say the hogs will turn feral if you uh if like if my hogs i don't know if they would but if they have access to like a lot of land and they just roam free they really wouldn't need feed um but that's definitely for the future mm -hmm. but also i do want to say that 
I just love them pigs and pigs. I think that some pigs, this one guy I seen, he's breeding his pigs. He grain mixes up hay into their feed and has milk cows that he ferments their feed. He grows his own grain, ferments their feed, and grows his own hay to mix into their feed. And now they're eating like forty percent grass. Like they're like eating 40% grass and they're still growing. And he's every um, generation of his pigs that he was breeding, he's adding in like another 5% of grass or something, or maybe a little. Yeah, that's awesome. Wow. He wants to eventually be able to have them. So they're like the most minute amount of uh, grain, like, like milk and grass fed hogs. And then this is really cool. He lives in, uh, Canada somewhere and he's in a swampy land in the spring it floods and it's like a huge swamp and then as as the summer progresses it drains and then he's got a whole areas filled with cattails that he planted and the hogs love cattails like the they're like the starchy root at the bottom of the cattail like you know cattails yeah, like the thing, yeah the thing at the top mm-hmm. and they love eating the roots so like basically eventually his pigs probably will just be living on cattails and grass and milk and stuff which ideally i would maybe next year i'll try to i'll grow a bunch of like uh peas because peas are a lot better to feed your pigs than soybeans and other beans they're a lot uh lower in polyunsaturated fatty acids so that's really maybe next year i will try to grow a bunch of peas to feed them because it would be great that the easiest low low polyunsaturated fatty acid feed i've heard of is a mixture of peas oats and potatoes but i heard you have to cook the potatoes that they can't eat raw Mm. potatoes but i fed them raw sweet potatoes and they can eat that Mm. wow i mean that would be amazing you could sell pigs pig meat pork that does not include grain like oh my gosh are you guys thinking about shipping out one day like when you get your farm to a place where you're having like a cycle of business would you ship out to other areas yeah i would ship out for sure and i would probably even ship out ship out soon i mean i'm not gonna say anything that could get me in trouble so i'm not gonna say it now but because like i guess like I don't want to get lawsuits and stuff. I'd have to figure out the legal stuff with all of that. But uh, mm-hmm. I will definitely be – That's. I just feel like that's the way I want to take the business, high-quality pork and raising sustainable way because I want to breed them and sell piglets and then raise meat too because I've never even – I just started raising pigs and I've just learned so much. Like I got these pigs from my buddy and he – told me they're a special type of pig and they were pot belly pigs. Like they're literally pet pigs. They're not actually, oh. eat, like, they're not eating pigs. So I had two, I had three pigs, a boy and two girls. And the boy ran away. Like he just is gone. Whoa. Like he's, he's gone. And then the two girls were bred and um, the one had three piglets. And one is, the other one is uh, going to have piglets any day now, next week. She's already starting to dilate, so she'll be having piglets soon. Wow. So what do you do with these pigs that you don't eat? Well, I'm just selling them to people that uh, want pet pigs. 
Like I've been going, I've joined like a hundred Facebook groups in South Carolina for like homesteaders and stuff. And I just posted the pigs. People are t messaging me about them, but they're also like, I've had like a couple people say they want them, but then at the same time, they're like, not, not ready to get them, I guess. Cause like the pigs, there's, they're only 10 days old, but I was planning on selling the mama and the three piglets to this one lady and she'll maybe she'll still want them, but she said she's having a little trouble right now. Somebody wanted one piglet and I said, I said the piglets are available now, but you have to bottle feed them because they're still not weaned yet. And if they need to be either weaned or they need to be with their mom or the person has to bottle feed them raw milk or formula. And I don't really agree with them feeding it formula, but, Mm -hmm. no, no. <sighs> wow <laughs> so okay. that's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna get out of the pot belly business and i'm yeah. getting into the actual good eating pigs right right but it still kind of gives you practice and experience in a way just handling pigs and dealing with that it's a big responsibility you know yeah. so so that's awesome. Okay, so I kind of want to close down. We're at 7.30. Do you guys have like 10 more minutes? Oh, yeah, I have more time. I've seen one of your podcasts was like two hours. I mean. Yeah, sometimes it's, sometimes they're any, like three hours. Any but, topics that you want to cover. I mean, I we really don't have anything else to do for the night. Okay, perfect, perfect. Um, well, both of us, something I kind of wanted to say is that also, uh, like I'm six months pregnant too, so yeah. we're starting a, a family too, and so that's kind of like one of the main reasons why. Yeah. Now we're like getting our nose to the grindstone because we are just having to become like really serious about um self reliance. You know, yeah. when once the system goes down, uh, I'm gonna be making sure we have food. You know. Yeah, and I love it. That needs to happen, and that's the thing we won't need to go anywhere to get food, especially if we have a fully functioning self-reliant uh, system of fruit trees. Cause we also are planning on building a fruit tree nursery and having um, like native fruit trees, like pawpaws and stuff. And Jolie's very passionate about this. Like uh, the yeah, wait, best thing. What are pawpaws? I don't, I don't know what pawpaws are. Um, They're native fruit to the East coast. And well, yeah, Jolie can tell you. Eastern region, not just the coast, but like oh yeah, Eastern United East, States, like maybe to like Alabama, all the way to the Mississippi River, probably. And it goes up to what? Oh, it goes far up to up? Canada, even, yeah. but like typically mm. Ohio. But yeah. it's like kind of like a forgotten fruit, and I'm really passionate about planting a ton of pawpaw seeds. Like they grow wild out here; nobody knows about them really, but they're part of the custard apple family. So. Yeah which is, you know, like custard apple. Yeah, it's like tropical apple. fruit, but it's up. It's the only It's northern tropical it's fruit the only basically. Fruit in the entire custard apple family that can withstand colder temperatures. So, uh, I don't know if you ever had like a sugar apple or um any fruit like that, but because <laughs> we were we were like really big fruit connoisseurs, but it's uh it's like super delicious it tastes like bananas and mangoes but we're like really passionate about planting them and it, when we get the grant uh hopefully i have a really good feeling about the grant i just applied for it's gonna give us five thousand dollars to go towards a thousand towards the fencing 
a thousand towards our nursery and buying other fruit trees. So I'm really like, it's an amazing fruit and it grows great out here. Something else I wanted to mention about the fruit trees and the apple trees is we purchase only heritage breed apple trees. So we're not like getting like the classic, you know, whatever apple trees that you may hear about because they don't grow good here like people like the the red delicious or whatever they're not meant to grow in the south people have trouble growing apples specifically where we are because of the humidity and you know like they can get some diseases here Mm. Um, but so we've been sourcing like apples that you know do well around here and like they're really rare people you you won't hear these type of apples in the store like we have some called collie apples and all these other and like Doula's beauty yeah, and beauty like apple. limber twig. It's just a bunch of old southern heirloom apples that are resistant to uh, diseases and other things yeah, like that. Yeah, because it's super humid and you know, like some pests can like get apples and they won't grow good here. Certain types that are grow better up north, but pawpaws are native to here, so they don't have any issues with yeah, no pests, pests whatsoever. That's something you also have to like look into growing fruit trees and getting stuff that's good for your area. You know, like we're going to specifically work on planting fruit trees that are, you can grow around here. Most nurseries, they get fruit trees shipped in in bulk and Mm -hmm. trees won't do good because they're just not meant to be grown around here. And most people, they don't have the patience for fruit trees and they don't have they don't know what they're doing with it so i we really want to like change that and help people learn how to grow those in a permaculture setting mm-hmm. so that you don't have to spray something that we're going to something that we're going to do is this is something that's been on my mind is that uh i want to colonize the forest with pawpaw trees with my pigs yeah. as planters like basically in the in the fall is when the pawpaws uh, grow, or mm-hmm. well, once, once they're ripe. And we went up to this place that has wild pawpaws in about an hour north that we found. And we're going to collect a bunch of pawpaws. And we spread the seeds throughout the woods. But I bet if we feed the pigs the pawpaws, they'll swallow the seeds whole. And if we're moving them around in the woods, then they'll just poop out the seeds and they'll, like, regrow. And they're already, already have- in fertilizer. <laughs> yeah, really. And we already have like uh what like five or something down by the river. Yeah, little we saplings. Bought, we were like kind of like seed bombing because they like to grow by the creeks typically, and uh yeah right now we have I have like probably about like four hundred seeds in my fridge that I'm gonna. Wow. Yeah, we want to sell grafted pawpaw. I'm definitely gonna scale up because we're gonna i'm gonna plant those also but we planted a ton of pawpaw seeds outside too in our food forest but you know it's really kind of overwhelming at the same time because we're building you know we're not building a typical or typical orchard so you know we just have to uh have guilds basically where we build the soil so we're just Mm -hmm. working on little patches of building rich soil and we're gonna like build outwards because it's been overwhelming to just plant yeah it's a lot the reason it's it's overwhelming is because there's a lot of space and there's we're like thinking like how can we fill up all this area but then we have to focus on one 
one like area at a time and get it successfully growing and then uh build like outwards. build outwards build the soil building the soil is the most important or it just won't grow as well yeah it makes so much sense you guys are so educated on this stuff you're so educated it's crazy to me but it's beautiful like I love that part of your story is both being fruitarians because it it's kind of like you were studying you know to do this before you even knew you were going to do this and it makes sense you know yeah that's that was the main reason why we wanted to have a fruit orchard is because we literally like only ate fruit and we wanted to grow our own food like Jolie said, like we were like fruit connoisseurs. Like we went to Florida to go try like cool tropical fruits that oh. are rare and could never find. Like there's like star fruit trees and papaya trees and like crazy like jackfruit trees, like huge, like coolest trees ever. Like I tried so much fruit I never even knew existed. Like But me and Logan, we both were organic gardeners, like, before we got into the food forest scene, so we were both, you know, like, my whole, my whole life, like, my grandpa's garden, and his family always had, like, Mm. organic gardens, and, you know, we always grew, like, watermelon and tomatoes, and, you know, we we have a master, you know, so we can grow, like, tons of annual stuff, but now that we're into the perennial agriculture, which permaculture is that's what it is it's permanent agriculture it's perennial agriculture so like building an everlasting system that will reseed itself for like a continuum you know like the pawpaws they'll they'll duplicate duplicate and like will come around to eat it and then go somewhere else and poop it out and the soil once we build up the soil and there's all the trees around the soil will never go away unless somebody cuts all the trees down and lets it dry out in the sun for years and then starts killing it up and yeah, releasing all the carbon. Tilling mm-hmm. is awful. My family, they're big on tilling and, you know, like, <laughs> it's just terrible because, you know, they've always, like, been grown up to till, but it's just, like, I'm totally against tilling because mm-hmm. it's just, it disturbs the soil micro microbiology so like you know they in the forest they have the layers the mulch and tilling just disrupts all that and the sun comes down onto the soil and it'll dry out all the microbes yeah and it'll take all the moisture out especially in the heat it's so hot down here and you know that's why in the midwest sorry if i cut you off do you want to continue i was gonna say that that's why in the midwest when they Every April and March, once everyone is tilling the fields, like the huge fields of corn and soybeans and other grains and stuff, it's literally, that's like the most greenhouse gas emissions and carbon emissions ever. Like, we watched this this uh, movie. Um, Kiss the Ground. Yeah. It's about how... It's on Netflix. It's, ter- it's about how tilling calls a dust bowl, and then tilling is just... You know, tilling is just terrible. Creates erosion, just basically kills the earth, really. The indigenous people of these areas and indigenous people all over the world, they never had tilled. (laughs) Tilling only came during the Industrial Revolution. And, uh, well, tilling, that's when it got, like, mainstream for the industrial agriculture. And it's awful. And it's truly awful. We need to get back to the old ways of farming, which have worked forever. Because this is not new ways of farming. There's new terms that Mm -hmm. have been coined but 
people have been doing this forest farming and interplanting things forever and adding back. You know, people have been taking from the soil too long, so it's gonna, it's just gonna have to end. Mm-hmm. It's gonna end with us. I already know, and we're inspiring so many people to do the same. And it's just there's people that can see it's less work. Yeah, so much to, less work. It's so much less. You don't need work. a tractor at all. Yeah, people mm. are just filling up and they're planning so much and doing so much more work. But we're building these systems that you don't have. To, we didn't. Need, we don't even have to water our plants. Sometimes. Yeah, we so don't even water. We them. don't even have to water them. Like most people, they have. Once to we plant them, we water them. Then we don't water them. Yeah, like you don't. We didn't. Need, all we have to do is plant and harvest. You don't. It's way less work. It's you know way more productive and way better food. So it's just like a no-brainer people are ridiculous for for like tilling and doing so much and then chemical fertilizer that's you know chemical fertilizer is a huge thing and how many watermelons did we grow this we summer? had so many watermelons we... that we didn't know <laughs> and by the time the end of the summer was done i was super morning sick and we had like watermelons mm. stacked up on my porch and then i was just sick of them and yeah yeah and the thing is we literally did imagine all we did well for some of them all we literally did was have a layer of wood chips and we dug down to to the soil put seeds covered it up and then watered it and then we harvested watermelons literally no other watering or anything some areas we we had a thicker layer of compost and cow manure and straw and them is where we got even more. But like literally, mm-hmm. we probably grew dozens of watermelon. Yeah, we were with zero effort like every day since July to like October. You were what every day? We were harvesting a watermelon probably oh. every day from July to October. Wow, that's amazing! Oh my gosh, you guys, it does make so much sense. Like I kind of didn't know this was possible for some reason. I'm like, how can you build a forest? And that's Kind of what I what I want to ask next because we hear all the time that we only have so much soil left or like seasons yeah. left to farming, and we we there's a lot of scarcity happening in the farming community, especially yeah. the regenerative farming community. So I'm curious what you guys think about that, like because I'm hearing you guys building this forest, and I'm like, okay, this sounds like totally sustainable and really abundant and not like you're like trying to reap what you can out of the soil it's like you're you're building nature back so why can't we do that all over the place right like yeah, like do you guys think we can we definitely can do it yeah they say that the soil is running out but that's because of the tilling yeah that's because that's what they're doing they're tilling just washes away they're not adding back to the soil and they're just adding chemical fertilizer and they're having to amp up the nitrogen levels because there's literally nothing in the soil it's just like dead it's completely Mm -hmm. dead and they're having to genetically modify the plants to be able to withstand that chemical fertilizer and pesticides so you know these all these crops that they're doing that on they're all patented crops corn soy and corn and soy like the main ones but you know they it's cotton too and they're just patented crops and they're on these giant fields Mm -hmm. and giant there's these giant fields you know but they could all be turned they could all be turned to food forests probably but i wouldn't even want to because the soil is probably tainted but yeah Mm -hmm. they're just like taking the topsoil by tilling Mm -hmm. you know i don't believe in that 
I don't believe that this I do kind of believe that the soil will be running out of topsoil because in certain in places that, in that mm -hmm. manner like they're not going to be able to do that anymore they're not going to be able to keep up with the tilling but you can always build back the soil like there's yeah. so much waste that goes to the landfills and there's so much waste that goes to wherever i don't know even know what people do with all this like carbon that they could be adding back into the soil and then having their garden that's their like yeah <laughs> that's just like it's a no-brainer like people mm -hmm. are it's it really talks about it in that documentary kiss the ground it's on netflix and that's like one of the only things i will watch on netflix that's yeah. really good but <laughs> really it's a really good documentary that talks about all that but um yeah it's just they're running out of soil because they're not adding back and it does cause droughts it does cause dust bowls the dust bowl it's it's called it's really dusty in the you know when it's like when they when they till it and there's nothing there it's dusty and um you know the only option is to just they just clear cut forests to do that as well so it's just mm -hmm. these like giant hundred acre fields i'm sure you've seen them everyone's seen them of corn and mm -hmm. soy and other like patented crops but um yeah it's definitely going to be ending i feel like it's going to be ending soon because the older generations they <laughs> Nobody wants to farm like that anymore. Right. Saying that like nobody wants to be a farmer anymore because it's so hard. Nobody's getting paid anything. And you know, when you think of farmers, you think of these people on these big turbines, on these big cornfields. Mm -hmm. But that's yeah, that's nobody wants to do that anymore. It's like statistically speaking, nobody is even going in not many people are going into that career. People are leaving that career. Yeah. People are nobody wants people to just want to grow lab food people just want to grow lab meat yeah that's stupid, I mean, that's, stupid. What, that's what bill gates does he buys farmland and then the patented they they literally have the yeah most of farmland is bill gates today. really you'll ride by and you'll see like a number on the field and it's like some kim grow company it literally yeah. we've seen this it's like kim grow and then it's like number and a number mm -hmm. yeah it's, it's pretty really wacky but yeah, mm -hmm. the future generations is definitely gonna be. No one's gonna be doing that. Everyone, I feel like, mm -hmm. even if people like can't have a garden, like I feel like most people, like we, most people, even if they don't want to grow a garden, like a lot of people are gonna be doing it anyway. So, like people who have the land, they just see that it's better and, um, like even it's just more beautiful. Even her aunt uncle. Like her, her aunt wants to grow like organic and good food, but like her uncle doesn't really know or care. I don't think he might care, but yeah, he's they they have their okay. field. They have their field that they tilled up and right next to our field, mm -hmm. and they grew corn and beans and potatoes in it this year. And they didn't get any corn. They didn't get any potatoes right yeah they didn't they get fail, they fail because they only got a couple beans soil. And, and they don't water it because there's nowhere to water it. it the soil is just dry sand basically yeah, right because that's what always they've always done his dad had always been raised as a cotton farmer so he always had tilled and done these methods and you know he's just following in his dad's footsteps and you know uh it's 
yeah, it's obviously not working. Like, I'm yeah, obviously, like, it's obviously not working, and he yeah. knows that, and he's trying. It's so hard. We're, we're gonna grow one row of corn just so they can see how to actually mm -hmm. grow corn. <laughs> and, like, give them some. But that's the funny thing is like, like I don't understand how they don't understand that it's not working. Like they're like, oh, I get well, we didn't get any corn this year. Try again next year, maybe. I know. We'll get more rain next year. It's sad because they. Because there's barely any rain, it dries up, but we don't even have to water ours because we use mulch and there's moisture in the soil. It's so sad because those are the old ways. Like, they've <sighs> always had to do that with their corn and beans. Like, those are the old ways. It's like southern ways they had always done, but it just doesn't work anymore. And, you know, like, it's just so ridiculous. Like, so my grandpa, he's not from around here. He's from upstate New York, so... They all call him a Yankee, but yeah. he comes down here and like he says, all, all the Southern people they do, uh, they like they are never they don't do gardening good because they do it the old ways, like they with the chemical fertilizer and tilling, and that's like because you know that's how farm farming was big down here and the agriculture was big down here like that, and he just he just says that none of the Southerners can grow good because he grows really good organically yeah because he adds back wow. to the soil every year even mm. if he does till it he adds like a lot of manure and hay like rot, rotten hay it's like giant black piles he just is adding back in wow like his corn is like eight foot tall right yeah because he grows corn because he likes that sweet corn for like that white sweet corn and like mm -hmm. he just laughs when he he said he drove by and seeing her uncle's field, and he just said, oh, it's pitiful. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're starting to see that. Us younger generations are starting to see that. So I think we're kind of split, but I think this could change over time. But like you guys said, there's people like us, the folks who want, who are interested in regenerative farming, and that makes sense to us. And we're, we have learned from the older generation what is and isn't working on earth and then there's this other side where they're like give me the lab food give me the lab meat and there's we're kind of split yeah within the younger generations but i think to me it's like nature will tell the truth you know like nature and mental health and physical health all of that will tell the truth because i believe that we need food that's grown in nature and I think our bodies will will tell the truth of that you know like you yeah. guys are thriving and you're uh reproducing thank you for reproducing because yeah. we need we need healthy yeah. people yeah. on this earth you know so we're also planning for like you know we haven't gone it would this is like a whole different conversation but you know we're learning more about like the medical system about birth and yeah. about like, medical midwives and i'm just I'm, there's no option but to have an unassisted birth so, mm -hmm. so like even though like i have never i haven't got any ultrasounds or anything but you know even midwives or doulas they're really medicalized and like legally they you know there's so much that goes into it but mm -hmm. you know there's such a problem with birth workers in the world so especially in america too but you know, everywhere, it's just such an issue, so, yeah, I'm just gonna, there's no option but to do it, <laughs> do it unassisted, and to see, you know, 
study as much as I can. You know, we're just trying to study everything. And, you know, the best thing you can do is just be in prime health during your pregnancy. <laughs> so inner, it won't be a problem. Nothing should ever be a problem if you're in good health. So. Mm-hmm. and you look so healthy you're so glowy and <laughs> yeah thank you I, mean, <laughs> I was reading this book about like nourishment for pregnancy and like there's these like limits you have to meet so I'm having to have at least like five raw eggs a day and like raw liver every day or not every day mm-hmm. but raw liver like three times a week mm-hmm. um you know a lot of just a lot of good food, you know, a lot of, we have the good butter and good raw milk. Yeah, I literally got oysters. 40 pounds of Amish butter in the mail. Oh my goodness. Like a big ass block. Miller's Organic uh, no, Farm? From a different farm. Okay. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> one, one my grandma knows. Oh yeah, even better, even better. Of course, you guys are hooked up with your grandparents. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. This is a different conversation. You're right, Jolie, but I just got to say, I didn't know about the doulas. Like, I thought, I planned to get pregnant. And yeah, I thought, what's that? Sorry, I was, you can keep going. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, I thought that I would get a doula because I would be nervous, but I didn't Some know this information. Some are good, you know? I'm not going to yeah. say that all doulas are bad. There's some uh-huh. good doulas and there's some good... But most midwives, they have to have a license. Not not as specifically doulas are bad. Doulas can be better because they, uh, you know, they don't have a license. But the licensed midwives, they have to follow these certain uh, criteria to keep their license. And, you know, there's not many midwives, even midwives who do home births around here. So I go yeah. to see them and, you know, they have to do these certain things. Like they, she said that you have to you know, check your cervix every 15 minutes during active labor. And like, I obviously know that would disturb the process. Like Mm. my friend who had a home birth, she had a Montrese who was like, she wasn't licensed, but she was there and she still checked her cervix. And she said, you know, that it just like got in the way. Like if you're having a birth, you're going to want to, you know, not be monitored. You're not going to want to checked every 15 minutes that hurts you know they're like sticking their hands up you and you don't want that but they legally have to do it so I'm not gonna like get at them but you know a lot of them still come from a place of fear I wish I could have a doula I wish I could find a good person you know I'm honestly looking but it's just like there's no other option Mm -hmm. like I wish I could find a wise woman to be there and to like hold space for me but there's nobody like there's literally no one so I'm gonna have to like become that person I guess because yeah that in a way it's beautiful as as difficult or as challenging as that may be I think that's very inspiring so you guys are just gonna have the birth you two together Mm -hmm. are you gonna have more family there yeah just us okay we'll be like they'll probably want to come around but they don't really like yeah they'll be weird about it a little yeah yeah. It's nothing we can do. It's completely legal. You have to get your legal rights in on, on assisted birth, but it's completely legal to do this. It's completely legal to not have to do anything with the doctors. And a lot of people don't realize that, but yeah. Um, Thank God though. Yeah, as it should be. It shouldn't be. Like the that. most is the this podcast we both listen to called the Free Birth Society podcast. Hmm. And I would definitely recommend that because yeah. um it's just they talk about women's birthing stories and like how they've gone to the hospital and like how they had midwives and just everything. So 
it's definitely like worth and they talk about like the truth of birth like the real stuff that happens like it's real like you know like you know babies can die and the babies die in the hospital babies can die at home babies can die if you're going in the car you know mm-hmm. it's just life is risk and mm. it's you know being around birth on the farm and our pigs just having babies and our yeah. babies <laughs> and our cows having babies like it's not something mm. to fear like my grandpa mm. like he's he said he delivered he's delivered cows his whole life and he's never had a mother cow die he's, he's never had them die because he they're healthy and mm-hmm. they're you know they're it's just like natural I don't even think he's ever had a mm-hmm. uh, has he had a baby die i don't think his own baby no not he's his had own. to he's had to pull cows out for other people and they've died but, but the, but the he, mother's he never died cows have not died mm-hmm. in his whole life but yeah, just being around it on a farm, it's just natural. Like, you'll see it. We see our pigs. You know, everybody was <laughs> telling us, like, oh, your pig's too small. She might die. And yeah, it, but, pig. yeah, her right. grandpa, like, her, even her grandpa was like, that pig is too small. You might have to pull him out of there. One morning, we wake up and go out there, and I just hear, oink, 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 and there's three <laughs> baby pigs there. Oh, my goodness. She's just, like, she's just, like, jumping up and down, like, I don't know. She's probably still having contractions because she had to pass her placenta too. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot to study. But uh, <clears throat> if you know, if we're gonna be having our sustainable like communities, and which is like I feel like the path that a lot of people are going on, you're gonna have to have birth workers within those communities that are not within the system because I think that's what we're all trying to get away from is you know the the people who are just going to traumatize your child, take you away from your child, poison you. And, you know, it's just so much. We could totally, maybe after I had a baby, we can talk about, go talk about it. I would love that. I would love that. Yeah. We have so much to talk about. I've, I've just enjoyed this so much. I, I love that. I get the chance to talk to you guys about all these topics and Me too. good, good. And, and just to, to see you both too I love and I know that we talked about having separate podcast episodes but I just think it's really special and um I think it's inspiring for people to see you guys together like just to see a couple together that's happy that's starting a farm you guys are 18 Jolie are you also 18 no I'm actually 20 okay but like very young people yeah starting something really important it's just it's it's really special and amazing so I still have time as well and I do have a a question to ask you guys but first I'm curious if you guys want to talk about anything else or if there were any other topics that we didn't get to yet that were on your mind um I don't have one I probably will have to be going like within the next like 15 minutes because my family one of my aunts is visiting but I definitely am into like you like asking another question yeah okay. do you have any more questions i may come up with some more more topics but i did want to mention that if anybody who's watching if you want to get into contact with us um and are around the area in south carolina or nearby you can get into contact with us and come visit and see our pigs and just have a good time and explore Oh, that's amazing. That's an awesome invitation. That's so cool. 
you guys have so much land. Well, I want to go on a podcast tour soon around the U.S. And I would love to come see you guys if you would be open to that and maybe have an in-person podcast episode. That would be great. Always, we're always open to having people coming. Probably Amazing. when she's born in May, we're just, I'm not going to like be having anyone around. But yeah, first month, couple months maybe, but. Uh, we just had our yeah our buddy from our friend zach from care or <laughs> i don't know what i was about to say from california he mm. just came to visit us for like two weeks and we got a lamb and butchered a lamb together and it was a beautiful experience and he because he uh heard sheep and goats out in california for like brush control and yeah out there and um, it was beautiful and i love having people around because it's so good to have we also more have people another 43 acres it's like unoccupied land and um we the house isn't working but you know if anyone has like a bell tent or something it's or not, a it's rv camper land. it's my grandma's land and like they would rent out the land for really cheap for somebody to farm on that so that's like also we were gonna have him do that it would have my family and he may still but yeah my mm -hmm. family would you would have to like talk to my family they're really like chill but nobody goes on the land it's just like nobody's there at all so we're, it's like, only 15 through. minutes from here i want to yeah, put i want to build my fence and put my yeah, animals out there. there but we have to have somebody watching the land because thieves have been coming so it's just anyone who's like good with a gun we'd have to like set up a legal contract but um, yeah, if anybody is like looking to like rugged living, like they're even open to build a cob house. There's electricity there and a well. Wow, awesome! Oh, and that's so. You're cool. looking for someone to help watch over that. Yeah, one. because and they would like it because they don't want people coming in there. Her grandma, it's her grandma's old house, and mm -hmm. she had all her old antique furniture and old china and stuff, and these these like crackheads went in there in the middle of the night and were like sleeping in there and they like there was tire tracks in the garage and they were stealing her stuff like one day we went there they had a what was it a dresser or like a, a yeah. table it was on a dolly sitting there like tied up ready for they were gonna come back sometime to get oh it. my god we and we loaded it up and took it to brought it to their house in the yeah. barn so they wouldn't get it yeah oh it would have to be somebody like my family says if we were staying down there like if they saw any crackhead on the land you could just shoot them because they have caused so much trouble to them <laughs> and we are so fed up with what they've done that we would just shoot them because and it's legal too you can yeah, shoot you can shoot, you can shoot somebody trespassing on your right property. right my family said that yeah you should just kill them wow but i get it <laughs> but i get it uh, it's kind of messed up but it is these crackheads or at we know, least we know get them out of there we know yeah who, we know who it is it's these crackheads and they're like on meth and they just like they've been like squatting there and stealing everything and they stole the front door off my grandma's house yeah they stole the door they it's, stole oh two my gosh devastated we're our whole family is so mad and they stole the gate they, there was a gate out by the road there's two drivers there's a gate out there to block one of the driveways they stole that they tried wow. to have a roll of fence out there because i was planning on building a fence to keep my goats or my pigs and then they they tried stealing that but it was too heavy they moved it like 10 feet with a rope tied to it wow and that then, is 
it yeah, was crazy. Really we want animals that are really bad. Like, we yeah. want to have whatever, but we just can't have it unless someone's living there. So. Right. Well, man, I mean, there are so many people that are looking to live like that. So I bet you guys are going to find someone and, you know, yeah. keep spreading There's the word. Someone who's, you know, willing to, like, write a contract and, like, we could, like, lease the entire land for really, really cheap. If they have or or a portion, or they have an RV, or Mm -hmm. um, if they even want to like build a cob house or put a bell tent up. Okay, amazing, amazing. (laughs) Putting that out there. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it, and I think there will be people interested in that. Um, Yeah, we we had people interested before, but they they asked, they wanted to have a contract, and then we talked to her and about it to set up a contract. And then once we talked to them again, they were like, no, we don't want to do that contract. That's going to be too much work and money and everything. But that's the thing. I mean, you have to figure it out lawfully and legally so that it's, that we're yeah, we protected and they're protected. Any lawsuits because just in case, like if they did get hurt on the land, you don't know like they could sue us and then we could lose the land. So. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Makes sense. Makes sense. So the question I wanted to ask you guys is you're both very spiritual, like very, like to me, very naturally spiritual. Let me tell you guys what I was doing when I was 18. I was drunk at a party when I was 18. I wasn't doing anything that you guys are doing. And uh, you're looking into these diets that I found after 30 years on this earth. Not that I'm old, but like you know, twice your guys' age, uh, I just found the raw meat diet and you guys have found it, you know, at this age that you're at. So like, I guess I'm curious from both of you, what have you always felt spiritually connected? What is what, you know, if we can like kind of sum up your journeys with that separately, I would love to hear about it. Well, something I would say is I've already, like, I already had my party stage when I was, like, 12. So I was, okay. like, getting out drunk at 12 years old, 15, <laughs> you know, starting at yeah. 12. We're doing a ton of acid at, like, 12, 13. Oh, old. wow. Okay. That's kind of what, like, made me mature. Me okay. I had, okay. Like, but also, you were, you both were experimenting with psychedelics. So that's a thing, too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. did you feel spiritual after trying acid at such a young age yeah I think that's kind of what made it happen probably for him too because he always would do you know smoking weed too yeah Yeah. I'll tell my story when she's done too yeah I mean I don't know I just like partied hard in like middle school I mean I moved around a lot like I've lived in Alaska and I like you know like you know the traveling aspect of you know me living all over the place and um, me just like seeing the native tribes up, up there and like ha- being friends with, you know, a lot of people who are native mm. and who are into their that type of spirituality connection with the land and um also me just already like having done all the drinking and you know like I got like alcohol poisoning and I like physically died. Oh my I, gosh! Like, on the side of the sidewalk and then they had to like pump my stomach and. Like, they had to, like, do all this other stuff. It was awful. Mm. But after that, you know, I think I was 15 then. So after that, you know, I really, like, matured. And, you know, I used psychedelics to heal, like, mushrooms. 
Mm. And that really got me on the spiritual path. So, yeah, that's kind of like we've always been open minded, both of us. And, you know, just social media too, being, you know, yeah, being able to see and like so much different perspective. Instagram mm. since I was like 11. So, you know, like I've yeah. been, I remember when I was, I think my spirituality journey started when I started seeing like anonymous, uh, these like anon, I don't know if you know what that is. It's like this anonymous guy and they would like wear a mask and they would talk about the government conspiracy so probably like 14 or like 13 and I was like so into all this government like conspiracy theorists yeah that's kind of like what opened my mind yeah (laughs) everything and I just realized the truth is farming or permaculture the truth is being in touch with the land stewarding Mm -hmm. and building wealth in that way yeah Yeah, I couldn't agree more I love it yeah so for me I mean I always felt like I was raised like a religious like Christian and everything and I always felt like I was just always thinking okay well I'll come too but I was just always thinking like I know that there's God I know that there's something deep out there I know that there is and then (laughs) when I was like what like 14 I started smoking weed and everything and just having these crazy experiences like euphoric connection experiences like flow Mm. experiences like one time I was like God is making us think things that he's making us think and that's the way he wants it to be or something like Mm. I don't even know what I was talking about oh that resonates with me (laughs) I was just so high and posting on my snapchat story and and people were like, dude, you're crazy, but you make kind of sense. But, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, uh, I never, see, I never went through a party or drinking phase at all. I basically just went through uh, fuck school, smoking weed, psychedelics, and then dropping out phase. But like I did, when I did mushrooms with my friend for the first time, we went on a walk in the woods and. I, that was definitely a life-changing experience for me and just like feeling the deep deepness oh and also like and then we took acid in uh, Baltimore you know where Baltimore like yeah it's like the fucking most crazy city mm-hmm. like dogs everywhere and everything and I was we did acid at an aquarium and I had ego death and that experience in a car garage and I like didn't exist anymore and I was like everything I guess but and then uh like I felt like veganism also attached me spiritually with like ideas of like just energy thinking of like energetics and like that we're all spirits in a human body and like we're all just souls and for a while I was like getting real deep into like uh I wanted to like channel extraterrestrial beings and stuff I don't know. Nowadays, I feel different about that. Like, I don't know. There's so much different perspectives that I felt like some perspectives make me think, what if those are just like demons? But what if they maybe mm-hmm. are? Ben- mm-hmm. Maybe there are beneficial creatures around. But also, I uh, did a lot of DMT, and that was really in the crazy experience. Like, uh, I bet. <laughs> Uh, and that was when I was like 16 like it was like my 16th birthday like before I turned 16 this guy messaged me on Instagram and he was like 
have you done DMT? And like random dude didn't know. He followed like two people I knew from school. Okay. And, and he lived in like Virginia, but, and he was like a couple hours away. He was like, have you ever done DMT? And I was like, no, but I would want to try. And he said, uh, he was like, well, I think that you might, I think that you, it came to you because I, I found you and I think you could use it. And I said, all right, well, I said, all right, well, I will definitely like to try it. So I uh, used, used a rig and I did it. And I was like, is this what my family always told me not to do? Like, I thought it was like heroin or something because of the euphoria that I felt. And then like the, uh, the ever presentness, like, I don't know how to explain it other than being this because Mm -hmm. in the moment and like, I didn't break through to a very far place because I was like still holding on and I was nervous, but I did Mm -hmm. like, I took like small hits in a couple times in a row, like, maybe like 20 times the first day I got it, but like small because I felt it and I just was like laying there and I was like, could feel the presence of being present. And that's all I could feel. Like it it was like an instant meditation kind of describe it. And then like, (laughs) it was just so crazy. And one time I, uh, this is one thing that taught me frequency was I, uh, I did it with my friend in the woods and I had this shirt on that was a Breaking Benjamin shirt. My uncle worked in a band called Breaking Benjamin and it's like a rock band, but the shirt was like this. It was red and it had this like design on it and I did the DMT and I laid back and closed my eyes and I saw this like this spiral, like this two dimensional realm of like little like troll elf demons just going in a circle and mm-hmm. and I was like I freaked me out and I threw that shirt off and I never put it back on again and I said to my friend I was like I think that the reason that I saw what I saw is because of the energy in that mm-hmm. shirt yeah and that, that taught me something right there but also um one time I saw I was laying down and on a hill and there's pine trees toward in my view and once I did it I just the pine trees were infinitely expanding in my vision just infinitely like it was just like infinite fractal patterns of pine trees and at that time I felt like I kind of met God like I met like creation or something Mm -hmm. I don't know but that's just an experience and that's just like spirituality to me in a way is just like uh the ever connectedness of everything Mm. that's just the best way I can describe it and that's how I would always describe it to people is like after I did DMT I'd post on my snapchat I'd say the ever connectedness of everything is beautiful and that's just the way it is you know that's just Mm. everything is one connected being and it's that's the only way that it ever could be and it ever will be. And it's just, we're all experiencing life from different viewpoints. And sometimes I forget that. And I do forget that a lot. And then it's like, why get an argument with yourself? That's just you and another body, you know? Mm. Like I've, I honestly just reminded myself something that I really used to be in touch with a lot. Cause recently I have felt a little out of touch with, uh, with, the oneness you know 
it's something that you have to feel and experience to feel, but you also can just feel it. And if you've trusted in your own intuition, you can feel it too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, so lately you felt disconnected from that. Yeah. Like lately, I feel like maybe obviously never disconnected from mm-hmm. creation and from God or however you want to say, but just like, uh, forgetting you know like forgetting the interconnectedness of everything you know yeah I do you know what I mean because like I don't know how to describe it it just that's just how it is you know yes it makes so much sense like like few things make more sense to me Logan you know so I see what you're saying by like either you you get it or or maybe you you haven't reached you haven't had the experience yet where you see something like that. But I think everyone who's interested in spirituality and has these spiritual experiences describe it somewhat the same, just the interconnectedness of everything. So to me, it makes so much sense. Man, yeah. go ahead. And that's, that's another reason that I can accept eating an animal and mm. becoming one with another animal because it's you in another form and it's just like it's literally the most sacred energy exchange that you can have and you have to have reverence for the the life that's been given to you to become you you know like the animal's life you kill the animal and it becomes one with you when you eat it and that animal's life is coming into your life and being it's like you're becoming that animal and you're giving that animal more life through Mm -hmm. your own body. And that's why I love to raise the animals because it's just even deeper connection. You know, like I never killed a mammal before until I killed that sheep. And that was one of the deepest, deepest experience I've I've ever felt, you know, like I've never felt something like that before. Like, like I, I I talked to that sheep and I prayed to that sheep and I thanked it for its life and I gave it a kiss on the head and gave it a hug and then I killed it and then ate it, you know, and it's, Mm. I was crying with it too, like I cried a lot with it. It's not as deep for me with the chicken because it's a chicken. Yeah, chickens, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But it's so spiritual slaughtering an animal is so spiritual i i actually helped my friend slaughter one of his ducks and that was the first time i had ever killed an animal and it was so but it was so deeply meaningful it and is. um it's just like to me it reminds me of it's like a macro version of what it feels like to grow your own lettuce and cut the little leaves and eat the lettuce it's the best salad i ever had when i yeah, did of that course, of course but then right but then meat is like really a uh, an animal that makes sounds and it's closer to you. So it's, it's a more flying. intense, yeah, more intense experience. But but it's so just how it's supposed to be, you know, being connected to our food. It literally could be the definition of spiritual because the sheep is has a spirit. And, you know, like the some I think that some of the spirit is left behind in the animal. You know, like the energy, Mm. the energy is always going to be left behind. Like the consciousness will go somewhere else, but the energy is left Mm. in the flesh and then you're becoming one with that energy. 
Yeah, yeah, totally. Totally. I love this outlook. This Logan, this was such a fun episode. I'm gonna let you go because I know you guys are meeting family, but man, thank you for being on and um Thank you. I'm super glad that I could be here and talk and just like express how I feel and you're a super nice person that I'm glad to connect with too. You know, there's not much people nowadays that that I connect with that are genuine like you, you know? Even though like like I have friends, but nowadays I really don't seeing that much people like the most recent deepest connection I have is with Joel's brother who just mm. came to visit from Alaska and uh but he may move back here soon hopefully mm. amazing I feel the same I feel the same you guys brought me so much joy tonight and I know that's because you have all this great energy and you're just healthy happy people and that's that shows on your on your Instagram page too. I've looked at your reels and stuff. So you guys go check out Lo Logan and Jolie, but Logan is a permaculture food forest rancher advocate for self-sustaining regenerative cycles. So check him out. We'll have all of his info in the show notes down below. Definitely check him out on Instagram. He's got so many interesting things going on there. And yeah, I think this was so obvious. You guys can see us on YouTube here or listen to the podcast on any podcast uh, platform, but he has amazing energy. I mean, these guys are just amazing people. So support them however you can. Thank, Thank you, Logan. Thank you. Okay, you guys, I need your help here. I want to get word spread about the info that we share in this show as much as possible. I want it to reach around the world. It already has. I want it to continue to reach around the world. And I want us to be able to share this information because this is empowering shit. You guys know that I only share empowering shit on here. I only share stuff that is going to make you feel like your dreams can become a reality and you can create what you want in your life and you can achieve what you want in your life and big changes can happen. Big evolution can happen in a positive direction in your life. I've done that in my life. It is my goal. It is my life purpose to help as many other people achieve that as well. So if you can help me do this, I would be so grateful. Please share this episode, share my podcast, other people about my podcast, share it on Instagram. I would just so appreciate that. Subscribe, uh, whatever we can do to get the word out more about this information. I love providing it for you guys. It makes me so happy and it would just mean the world to me if you continue to share it. I love you guys so much. Info on how to work with me is in the show notes. I have a group coaching course. I have one-to-one -one private coaching. I have a workshop. There will be more offerings in the future. I'm There's a lot going on. So all of this info is in the show notes and enjoy. I can't wait to see you on the next episode. Talk to you soon. I love you.